This is the final message in this series on relationships. And so my title is, as you will see, Till Death Us To Part? It's a question mark here. The question mark is not to uh, point out the fact that many, many marriages break up before the death of a partner. Although if you listen carefully, you might find some teaching today on marriage that could save your marriage, could make your marriage better, could prepare you for marriage much more than you are now. But the question mark is there. Why does marriage end in death? That's the question mark. Why? Why does marriage end at death? Did I say marriage ended in death? Did I say that? Oh, no. Marriage does not end in death. It ends at death. Now, why? Because, you see, we believe in the future life. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Why then does marriage not last beyond the grave? Or to put it another way, why is there no marriage in heaven? The Sadducees was a prominent and powerful sect within the Judaism of Jesus' day. They did not believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> All right, penny drums. Uh, they didn't believe in polygamy either, so one of the reasons why they didn't believe in resurrection was a certain provision made in Old Testament law that would prove complicated if uh, a woman had a succession of husbands, particularly if those husbands were a series of seven brothers. Confused? Hmm. Well, they were also very legalistic in their questioning, and so they had constructed a case to do a case study which they presented to Jesus to prove that Jesus, who taught about the resurrection of the body in the final day, to prove him wrong. It was their proof positive against Jesus' teaching and indeed against the Pharisees' teaching who did believe in the resurrection of the body. Anyway, let's, let's have a look at it. Matthew 22, verses 23 to 33. Here is the incident. The same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and even the third. By now, somebody should have been asking some questions. We should have sent in David Suchet to exercise his little gray cells as to why all these men were dying. But anyway, that wasn't their point. It says this happened first, second, third brother, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore... In the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her 
Jesus answered and said, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Um, not so much these days, but over the years, uh, I have been assigned an assistant, usually an unmarried man who was able to travel with me, take care of things and kind of mentor him over, over that period of usually about one year. And then somebody else will be replaced. Uh, and uh, he'll be replaced in the place. And well, one of these assistants, and I'm deliberately being very, very vague so that nobody would identify this wonderful assistant of mine. But this assistant, years ago, heard me teach on the subject of marriage and death ending the covenant of marriage. And in the resurrection, for there being no marriage. He was very, very concerned, and he had a worried look on his face. He was about to be married, very worried. And I, I, he said, listen, are you saying that that means there will be no sex in heaven? Knowing that sexual expression is within the covenant of marriage, I said, no, of course not. There will be no sex in heaven. He paused for a while and I wondered if his thoughts were, oh my, I've made a mistake in becoming a Christian then. <laughs> he was troubled for a couple of days and uh, he came back one day brimming with joy. He said, oh, it's amazing. As what he says, I had a revelation. There's no sex in heaven. We won't need sex in heaven because heaven will be one big, long, eternal orgasm. Go <laughs> on, yeah, yeah, we... This, this, we can, we can. And you know, I, I would not quite have put it that way. But he got it right. That there is something that is even more glorious than the physical union, mental and emotional union in the covenant of marriage, even something even better than that, something to which marriage really points and that is our union with Jesus Christ in the fullness of joy and satisfaction, which shall be our heavenly experience. And all God's people on earth said, yeah. all right. And the married people said, yeah. and the unmarried people said, yeah. ah. <laughs> so the point is marriage is not the ultimate experience of love and intimacy. Of course, marriage and sex within marriage may be and is indeed God's gift, probably of the highest intensity in terms of levels of physical union, sensual pleasure, joy, satisfaction on earth, maybe. It has the potential also to be the most, not just the most physically intimate, but the most emotionally fulfilling relationship on earth. 
But having said all that, it is nothing by comparison to the satisfaction that is promised us in heaven where we experience the love of Christ in all its fullness and the eternal bliss of union with Christ. This tells us that marriage, as glorious as it is, is an earthly covenant, temporary, pointing to a greater, eternal covenant, which will fulfill our deepest longings for relationship and realize those longings in a way that is almost unimaginable now. Perhaps those moments are glimpsed in times of heavenly communion with God or in true marriage under the blessing of God or in interpersonal relationships, deep communion we have with one another in the Holy Spirit. But nothing can compare with that heavenly experience of union with Christ. It's sad then to say that marriage has become idealized, even idolized by our culture today. And sexual love, romantic love, is equally, if not more, idolized today. And I, 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 I think that is a tragedy because it means that we end up worshipping the created things rather than the creator himself. And we see this everywhere. It creeps into the church as well, but we see this everywhere with the fairy tale weddings and fantasy marriages. Often it's masking a reality which they've not yet grasped about the covenant of marriage and what it is really all about. Even in the church, when we make marriage our goal rather than Christ, we're making an idol out of that relationship. But God has indeed made us for relationship. That is the good news. And if you're talking to somebody about Jesus and they, they don't yet know him, know him and they're sort of coming from the generation Y, generation Z, the kind of current culture for today, one of the things that they're most interested in is this understanding that we have been created in the image of God for a relationship. And there is a longing for relationship in each one of us which the world tries to fill and we try to fill with anything and everything but God. But the moment we see that we've been made for God, then we can receive that fullness from which we can begin to enter into good, healthy, sacrificial, loving relationships with others. So marriage is part of that, I think, for many people, but by no means all. But the only real object of love and satisfaction, or the one who can bring it, is, is Jesus, Jesus himself. So that's why you can be single and satisfied. How many single and satisfied people do we have here? Satisfied in Christ. And, and the truth is, if you are preparing for marriage, please get there first. Because if you are not satisfied before you're married, you ain't going to be satisfied after you're married, that is for sure. So if you are single and seeking Christ first in your life and finding fulfillment in him, you are the most beautiful, the most attractive person on this planet. 
And if you are single and want to stay single, you better be able to fend off the people that come knocking on your door the moment you find Jesus as your real lasting joy and satisfaction. So marriage, even at its best on the earth, points to something beyond it. It's the marriage of heaven and earth. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's pointing to. That's why at death, it's over. That's why there is no marriage in heaven. Because in heaven, there will be that perfect union of Christ and his people of heaven and earth. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. The marriage of heaven and earth is where God is united with his people. It's likened to a wedding that will last for eternity, a marriage that will never be broken, a covenant that shall be eternal of Christ and his people. We are the bride of Christ, which means now we're preparing for the ultimate wedding. You may never have a wedding like Kim. But your wedding in heaven will be greater than anything. We pray that Kim will be there as well. <laughs> and of the new heavens and the new earth, the divorce is over. The separation of heaven and earth is over. The real marriage has come. And so for all of us, we hold marriage in honor. But we see beyond marriage to the message it brings, the relationship with Christ that shall be consummated in heaven but begins now. The Bible says marriage should be honoured by all. And that's a relevant word spoken from heaven in the first century and it is equally relevant in this 21st century. Marriage honoured by all, by married people, Single people, gay people, straight people, widowed people, divorced people, transgender people. All of us can honor marriage. Single people who live celibate lives are honoring marriage. Married people who live faithful lives are honoring marriage. Divorced people who choose to remain single and celibate are 
honoring marriage. Widows and widowers who choose not to remarry but live celibate lives are also honoring marriage. Gay people for whom heterosexual marriage is not an option but who choose to live single and celibate lives are honoring marriage. Transgender people who refuse marriage either in line with their biological sex or their reassigned sex are honoring marriage as they choose to remain single and celibate. Single people who long to be married, who live sexually pure lives, honor God and his gift of marriage by refusing to compromise, even by finding an unbelieving partner, are honoring marriage. You say, well, we're talking about marriage, there's a lot about singleness and celibacy. Who can live like that? No one can live like that. Not without the help of heaven, or indeed without a vision of heaven and the ultimate relational fulfillment that awaits us. Not without surrendering, surrendering our whole life, including our sexuality, and trusting in that day, it will be worth it all. Why is there no marriage in heaven? Because marriage will have served its purpose. All earthly covenantal marriages will be over. And all that they pointed to will be fulfilled in that everlasting relationship with Christ. Which is why we encourage one another and ourselves always to put Christ first and to honor him in all things, including our singleness, our sexuality, and indeed in our marriages.